morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Dylan, if you don't know me, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning to share God's Word. Um, I'll be sharing with the, through the Scriptures this morning. Last week, Pastor Paul shared about things not going according to plan. And, well, I have a confession to make. Are you ready? It's time to tell the truth, shame the devil. This sat, or a few Saturdays ago, before service, I was, uh, I was cleaning my apartment, which is a small miracle for a bachelor like myself, and uh, to get myself pepped up a little bit, you know, to, to get myself motivated, I put on a station on Spotify with Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. Okay. Now, hold on. Before you judge me, yes, I am a believer. But secondly, some of you listen to country music, which is proof that humanity is evil, all right? Because that's not music. So I was listening to country. I, no, I wasn't. Wow. Excuse me. I was listening to this, some peppy music, got, you know, got me up and running and got my apartment clean. I forgot that my phone is linked to the church Spotify account. So as we just did, you know, you meet, you greet, you shake hands, you high five, and we pump the music up to liven you up in the morning. Well, to my horror, as I stood here on stage, you were all being serenaded by Ed Sheeran. And things did not go according to plan as I frantically texted Jamie, Jamie, why is this playing? And then I realized it was my fault. So things, uh, that's a A small example, but things did not go according to plan. And in the same vein this morning, I would like to share with you uh, a story of a Christmas couple. A couple from the Christmas story that's not often talked about. A married couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth. And the challenges that they faced prior to the birth of their son and the birth of Jesus. Zachariah and Elizabeth were a couple that experienced disappointment, delay, and doubt while following God. They had prayed for years for a son and experienced disappointment and delay, as I'm sure you have in your own ways with your own challenges. And this morning, I think Zachariah and Elizabeth have something to teach us about how to walk through doubt and not stay there. So in order to do that, I'd like to read with you Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And if you don't have your own Bible, it's page 947 in the Bibles that are in front of you, page 947. We're going to read that together. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. Let's read that. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, Because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot, or randomly, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 
And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. May God bless his word. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it would accomplish what you intended it to, that it wouldn't return to you empty, but it would produce fruit in us to your glory. And we ask it in the name of Christ Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. Now, this story that we just read happened directly prior to Pastor Paul's sermon last week, when Mary and Joseph find out that she's pregnant. It's the prelude to the birth of Christ. And before we jump right into this, I want you to notice Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The author of this biography, which is what Gospels are, they're they're biographies on the life of Jesus, he's a doctor named Luke who wrote this. And he's writing to a nobleman named Theophilus to give him certainty about what he believes. Has anybody ever doubted? Can anybody be honest this morning? He wants to give him certainty about the things that he's heard. But it's interesting that Luke starts off his story for certainty with a story of disappointment and delay. With a story of those who doubted. Because Luke knows something that you and I know all too well. That life comes to a dead end and it doesn't feel certain most times. Oftentimes when we think we should have extraordinary faith, we find ourselves afraid and disappointed instead. Luke doesn't whitewash the story. Christmas does not start off with pretty angels singing glory to God in the highest. It begins with a couple who are at the end of their rope. And we know that this is a season of new beginnings, of Christmas miracles and New Year resolutions, but these people don't know that yet. To them, it feels like another winter filled with God's silence. It feels like a dead end. And Luke tells Theophilus that Christmas begins with delay. As Harvey Dent said in Batman, one of my favorite movies, the night is darkest before the dawn. Listen to verse 6 and 7. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Years ago, I was recruiting for North Point Bible College at a national conference in Orlando, Florida. And after, uh, after the conference concluded, a few of us students took some time out and we rented a few rooms in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida on our way back to Boston. And I generally like to rise early and have a slow morning, so I was in the hotel restaurant watching the sunrise and having breakfast and just enjoying the peace and quiet of the morning. I was reading the Bible and an old, older man sat down next to me and we began to talk about life, faith, and the Lord. And he grew very sad and disclosed to me that his wife of many years had recently died. He had given up hope and thrown himself into a relationship with a much younger woman. And he felt adrift. He didn't understand why his wife had to die when he had done everything right in life. He worked hard. He didn't cheat on his taxes. And he had remained faithful to his wife. 
And that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth were. A lifetime of doing the right things and still no child. A lifetime of doing the right things and still disappointment and delay. The scriptures say that they were called blameless, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and advanced in years. It numbs us when we're doing everything we thought we were supposed to do and getting no results. Like the old man I met on the beach, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, you and I have a choice when our faithfulness is met with disappointment and delay. Because if you haven't encountered it yet, I promise you, it's coming. All of us have unanswered prayers. Jesus himself still has unanswered prayers. In John 17, he prayed for you and I. He said, Lord, I pray for those who will believe in me through the apostles, that they would be one as you and I are one. And the prayer remains unanswered in a divided and sectarian Christianity today. When you and I have done everything, and we're saying to ourselves, God, I've done it all, I've prayed it all, what more do you want At that point, we have a choice. Listen to verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, pause. It's easy to skip over that. I want to point out something about Zechariah here. After years of service to God and no reward, no response, Zechariah does something profound. He keeps going and keeps serving. Disappointment and doubt have taken more people out of a relationship with God than drugs, sex, or any other major sin you can name. It's because people interpret delays and disappointment wrongly. They can't imagine a life where God writes the redemption of those things into the story. Because your faith is developed in disappointment and doubt, not in their absence. Zechariah and Elizabeth kept going. They, they kept doing what they were supposed to do. Because so many people I meet, they give up far too soon in this walk of faith. They kept going. And I don't say that like, look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. Look at Pastor Dylan. They're so strong. They're still standing. They kept going. This time last year, I was a hair's breadth away from throwing in the towel. I, would, I, I journal through the scriptures And I journal through my daily thoughts. I like to do it. It helps me process them and get them out. I like to write about it. And uh, I was reviewing some journals recently from this time last year. And I described that season of my life as I felt it was coming to a close finally as a black season. Has anybody ever been there? I was paying $950 a month in student loans. I'd recently got out out of a long and difficult relationship. My health began to decline. It was just like boom, 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 a black season. And I had my doubts and disappointments, and believe me, I still do. My nightly prayer was, God, how? Listen to Zechariah's prayer in verse 18. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And before you throw a stone at Zechariah, look at Mary, the mother of Jesus' prayer, when the angel announces her pregnancy to her. She goes, how will this be, since I am a virgin? Both of them were asking similar questions. How, God? Because I see a lot of obstacles between where I am and where you're saying I'm going to be. And if you get nothing else from today, I want you to hear this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. It's perseverance through it and the means to overcome it. Because sometimes God's greatest gift to you comes wrapped in disappointment, delay, and doubt. 
The first step through doubt is simply this. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. It said Jesus was perfected through suffering. You and I will be perfected in the same way. And I know that sounds simple, but it's difficult. And sometimes, like Mary and Elizabeth, you have to sing to yourself, preach to yourself to remind you of your own stuff. Mary sings a song of praise to herself in Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth preaches to herself in, Mary, or in Luke chapter 1, verse 25, to remind herself of the faithfulness of God. And during this time last year, it's not that I didn't have my doubts and disappointments and delays, it's that I trusted him anyway. I had to preach my stuff back at myself when my finances were failing. I had to preach back at myself when my health began to decline. Because I don't look at the report of Dr. Seymour, as skilled as she is. I don't look at my bank account. I don't look at the circumstances of my life for my hope. Because God is provider and healer and rock. But the way you remind yourself of that is you keep going. You don't stop. You don't stay in that spot. You get up in the morning like Zachariah and you go back to church and you serve people. Because faith without works is dead faith. And real faith keeps going when everything else shouts, stop, it's over, you're done, and it's hopeless. You do what Zechariah did, and you go back to the temple, you keep serving, and most of all, you keep praying. When you lack certainty, like the man Luke is writing to, you put yourself in the right place, even when everything in you wants to run. Listen to verse 9 and 10. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Zechariah placed himself in a place where God could speak to him in the temple and in a posture of prayer. He put himself there even though it was hard. And it seems to happen by chance. Some of you remember when I first began here at the church in 2016. Can you believe it's been almost four years already? It's crazy, right? We've been here almost four years, and you guys have still tolerated us. We love you. But I took two months during that year to minister in the nation of Papua New Guinea. And a year before I left, I remember thinking to myself, how am I ever going to afford to go? I, I, I can't imagine being able to do this. I don't have what it takes, and I have no idea how to raise funds. Many of you helped me get there, and I thank you for that. But I was praying about nine months before I left, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me out of the passage in Genesis, where Abraham's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and at the last moment, God provides a sacrifice for him. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, I am going to provide what you need to sacrifice. And it's, believe me, it's not like I didn't have my doubts. I was like, this costs a lot, God. That weekend, we were at school, they have something called Alumni Weekend, where People who have graduated from North Point, they gather back together to pray for the students, encourage the students, and, and worship with us. So at the end of the service, uh, I wanted somebody to pray for my needs. Uh, I intended to share this, but in keeping with my personality at the time, I was shy, so I hung back. I know you're all shocked that once upon a time Dylan was shy, but he was. And the altars were full at the end of service, and there was only one person open, a professor I really wasn't very familiar with named Dr. Gary Cody. And as I approached the altar, I began to share with him what I was planning on doing and what I wanted to do. And he stopped me mid-course, and he said, listen, God already spoke to me about this. He wants you to know that he's going to provide for you, 
And so you know that this isn't just coming out of the thin air. I've already put a $100 check in your mailbox as a down deposit. You ever have one of those times when you like ugly cry? Like the kind of cry you would only dare do in like your bedroom? It was like one of those moments. <laughs> it, was, it was ugly. And right afterwards, I rushed to the student mailbox, checked it, and there was a $100 check from Dr. Cody. I learned something that day that Zachariah is about to learn. That nothing is accidental with God. Because what seems like failure and tragedy and disappointment is not a disruption in God's plan for your life. It's an opportunity for faith. And as the dice were cast for who would enter the temple to offer incense to God, I imagine it hurt Zechariah to continue to pray. It was a sorrowful thing to continue to believe in hope, but he did it anyway. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Are you willing to keep believing, keep mourning, keep hoping, and keep praying, and not check out? God is never early, he's never late, he arrives precisely when he means to. So how do you walk through doubt? You keep believing and you keep praying. Another thing I'd like you to notice here in verse 10, a multitude of people were praying at this moment. There's something about the united prayers of God's people that changes the outcome of things. Uh, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And this coming January, as Pastor Paul mentioned earlier, we're going to be taking the month to refocus our hearts on praying together through an initiative called Pray First. Every Tuesday morning and every Thursday morning from 6.30 to 7.30, we'll be here in this room praying. Every Saturday is the main event. From 9 to 10, we will be here praying. Bring your kids, teach them to pray with us. Because if the Lord of heaven and earth said to his disciples, stay awake with me and pray for an hour, if he needed his friends to pray for him, you and I need the prayers of other people to survive. You were not meant to do life alone, and you're not meant to pray alone. That's why we encourage you to take our next class and join a small group. That's why we've handed these out this morning, because you need the support of other people around you to thrive in this thing called Christianity. You were not meant to do life alone and pray alone. Within the last week, my family was struck with some pretty terrible news that hasn't resolved itself yet. I still have my disappointments and delays. It's for somebody that I've been interceding for. I'm not just talking about like, hey, I throw a prayer up every once in a while when I think of them. I mean like every day, multiple times a day, I am crying out for this person in prayer, saying God save them, redeem them, break their pride, remake who they are. And it just got worse. Sometimes that happens when you begin to pray. And the first thing I did when I got the bad news is I contacted three groups of people. Number one, my pastor and board as my support. Number two, my brother and friend in ministry, Anthony Vonarea, And number three, my small group, so that they could pray for me. Because I need the prayers of other people. Jesus wanted the prayers of other people, and so did Zechariah. I'm convinced Luke mentions this because it's noteworthy. Nothing in the scripture is wasted. People were praying as Zechariah entered that temple. And Zechariah and Elizabeth had kept praying. It must have felt like an eternity of silence. Heaven had gone silent on him, on his nation, on everything. Have you ever been there? Where it seems like everything you hear is another piece of bad news. But God wanted to answer more than just Elizabeth and Zachariah's silence. He wanted to speak to a nation and to a world. 
And if God seems to be delaying over your prayers, disappointing your expectations, and leaving you in doubt, you're in good company. But Christmas is coming. Keep believing and keep praying. Heaven is about to shout its loudest and final words to the Jewish nation through the arrival of Jesus Christ. But this couple does not know that yet. They don't know their son will announce the arrival of the Messiah and be called by Jesus himself, the greatest man ever born among women in Luke chapter 7. To them, they're just old and advanced in years. Listen to verse 11 to 13. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Zechariah had been praying and asking, asking God. He hadn't given up and thrown in the towel, even in the face of disappointment and delay. When I first became a believer, I was 18 years old. I was not raised in this. And at the time, I was working at a veterinary hospital as a kenneler, which accounts for why I hate animals so much today, but terrible creatures. But I had to take care of animals. I had to clean up after them, wash them, walk them. I used to love dogs, but I was particularly frustrated one day, and I felt like crying. I, I felt like I was crying out to God, and He wasn't listening to my prayers. And finally, while at work, I half blurted out to myself and half as a prayer, God, are you even listening to me? I know all of you have done that. You're just too proud to admit it in church that you've ever frustratedly prayed to God. But, well, that day my boss had ordered Chinese food for us all. And now I don't recommend fortune cookie spirituality. It's often mocked. Uh, And I don't encourage this as the mainstay for how you guide your spiritual life. But it's how God spoke to me in those formative, early, and vulnerable years of my walk. The staff all got our meals, and my boss seemingly tossed the fortune cookies out at random. And I cracked one open. I don't even like fortune cookies. I don't have a sweet tooth. My mother forced me to eat ice cream as a kid. Like, who does that? Like, who would have a child that loves to eat broccoli instead of ice cream and is like, no, you're going to eat the ice cream? So I opened, I don't know why that day, but I opened up the fortune cookie, and the fortune said, God listens to you especially. Smiley face. God likes emojis, apparently. But Now, I don't know if God speaks that way all the time. I don't think that's how you should decide your spiritual decisions all the time. But I knew that God was listening to me that day. And never before or since have I ever seen a fortune cookie that mentions God. And when I read it, I was in the exam room getting, to ready, getting ready to help the, vet, the veterinarian with something he was doing. And have you ever had one of those like heaving cries? Like the kind that looks like you're about to throw up? Like if you can just keep it down, it's not going to happen. And you're like, huh? you know. And I had to like push it down and like leave the exam room. Listen, when God really touches your heart, you'll know he's speaking to you. And it's a profound thing that the first thing God instructs his angel to say is, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. Stephen Munley actually pointed this out to me, but it's a simple and transformational truth. God lowers his ear to listen to your prayer. This angel named Gabriel is seen another time in the scriptures in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel is praying for a while and Gabriel shows up and says, Oh, Daniel. Your prayer was heard from the beginning, and I've been sent to give you an answer, for you are greatly loved. God has been listening to you from the beginning. It might be delayed, but it's not final. God hears your prayer. 
And he's not late. He's answering your prayer in the best way possible and in the best time. Zechariah didn't know that John would be born in order to usher in the Son of God and prepare his way. Sometimes your delay is the means by which God will bless others if you're willing to endure it. It's not easy. It's hard, but it's worth it. And right now I've been calling out for that family member every day for weeks and the, the news only gets worse and breaks my heart, but this story is not finished. I can't see how it ends, but I know that God listens to me. It's been heard from the beginning of me crying out, and God does not fail to deliver on time. Jesus instructed us to be like the persistent widow who keeps knocking and says, nope, we're not done here. There's still business to be done. Keep asking, keep knocking, and keep saying, God, I need you to answer this prayer. It's the ones who give up who don't get the prayer answered. How do you get through doubt? You keep believing and you keep praying. And God will answer you. He hears you. Cry out to him. God's promise for Elizabeth and Zachariah's son is this. And you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Not everything in life gets to make perfect sense, but that's the beauty of redemption. God redeems, but there is still mystery. Couldn't have John been born earlier? Couldn't Zachariah and Elizabeth not had to have waited so long? Why did it have to happen? Why did God seemingly make us take the hard road? And why was it all necessary? And those are questions that perhaps God isn't interested in answering yet. He's far more interested in us trusting him. A theologian and author I once read by the name of Richard Rohr, I would not recommend most of what he writes, but he said something profound in one particular book. He said, faith is patience with mystery. Faith is patience with mystery. More than giving us a reason for why we experience tragedy and disappointment and heartache, God gives us something better. He gives redemption, beauty, and meaning to what is otherwise senseless. And it's ironic that God answers Zechariah and Elizabeth's silence with the words he does. He quotes the final words of the prophet Malachi, the final words of the Old Testament, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Those were the last words to the nation of Israel before 400 years of silence. And they're the first words to this couple. And I'm sure that Zechariah as a priest would have known the weight and importance of what God was saying because he said those words in particular. And this is where God speaks not just to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but the entire Jewish nation with the words that they have been waiting for. It's also where Zechariah messes up a little bit and Elizabeth is smart enough to keep her mouth shut, which speaks to the wisdom of ladies. They're sharper than us men. Young men, pay attention. This is how you get a wife, okay? Like, you just... Zechariah asks the question, How will I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, after studying this for a bit, I'm convinced that it's not because Zechariah asks a question that God silences him. Mary asks a similar question. How, God? And it's not that God's offended by questions. David had questions. Psalm 55, 17 says, Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in complaint. 
and the Lord hears me. Psalm 10 says, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? And why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Genesis 18, Sarah is promised the exact same thing that Zechariah is promised now. That you're going to have a son in your old age. And she laughs at God because she finds it so ridiculous. So what's the deal? Why is God so hard on Zechariah if he's been gentle with others in the past? I'm convinced this exemplifies what Jesus said when he said, to whom much is given, much is required. Zechariah was a priest. It was his job to facilitate the temple services, to make known the law and word of God, and he had been given much privilege and much knowledge. Mary, on the other hand, is a young woman who's probably scared out of her mind and is barely clinging to hope. The point is simple. God knows how to deal with each of you, even if you don't know what's best for yourself. Because some of us have sat under the preaching of men and women of God for a lifetime and you still disbelieve. You still won't trust God. You still won't change because having doubts and choosing unbelief are very different things. You give yourself excuses, even if they're valid ones. You know God's word, but you haven't followed it. And I don't care if you're a single mother or a married, experienced deacon in this church. The lesson here is not God is kind to women and hard on men. The lesson is that God sees the heart behind your question and your doubts. And my question for you is simply, are you using your questions and doubts as shields to disobey God? Or are you genuinely pouring your heart out to him? Because there is a difference. Some of you could hear the answer to your prayer today and it wouldn't cause you to rejoice because you've so excused your doubt rather than walking through it in obedience. You've checked out of the race rather than persevering in faith and you may fool everyone, but you cannot deceive God. Because if old women and virgins can give birth, God can undoubtedly give life to you in your situation if you have the faith to receive it. It need not be great faith. It need not even be doubtless faith. It just needs to be the kind of faith that keeps going. Because Christmas doesn't begin with angel choirs, it ends there. Christmas begins with hard gifts. It begins with the hard kind of faith that obeys. So how do you walk through doubt? You keep obeying. And that is not a popular word in today's culture, but let me say this. If you want the joy of God's promise, you must keep obeying his word. Because obedience comes before joy. Always. Obedience comes before joy. And some of you are not Christians. And you think that you need to wait until all of your doubts and disappointments have gone away before you have faith. You say things like, I envy you who can believe. But the reality is, is that the enemy of your soul would love to keep you in the place where you think that your faith needs to, your doubts need to disappear before you have faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt, it's the means to overcome it. And sometimes the doorway to God's greatest gift to you is painted with disappointment and tragedy, but you must walk through it. The questions aren't all going to get answered. God doesn't ignore questions of the mind, but the heart must be postured correctly to receive them. Patience with mystery. And it's okay to have questions. If you read this book and walk away with no questions, it's because one, you don't believe it, or two, you have no intention to live it. But real faith is the willingness to remain in it even when you can't see it, you can't feel it, you may not even be able to explain it, but you're in it with him. 
I'm going to call the worship team back at this time. As the worship team comes, listen to verse 14, God's promise one more time. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Without a doubt, many were changed by the life of John the Baptist. Zechariah and Elizabeth's answered prayer was a blessing not just to themselves, but to a nation, and ushered in the greatest blessing of all, not all time to all nations, Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. And perhaps the certainty you and I so desperately want is on the other side of a leap of faith. A resolve to embrace the life that God has given you with all its disappointments, tragedies, and delays, not the life we would have written for ourselves. Because if you're willing to suspend judgment for just a moment, may I suggest to you that what you've experienced might become a platform of blessing to others. And you'll get to the singing Christmas choirs from heaven one way or another. I promise you that a life lived with God will not lack joy. Christmas ends with joy. But it didn't begin there. And like Zachariah and Elizabeth, your disappointment and delay are not accidental and are not meaningless. God is working glory and joy for you and others if you'll stay with him through it. So how do you walk through doubt? You keep going. You keep believing. You keep praying. You keep obeying. And most of all, you keep rejoicing. You choose joy when it's difficult. God may not arrive in the time that you'd like him to, but he's coming at the right time. And you can have joy because your heavenly father has promised he hears you, he won't leave you, and that all things work together for good for those who love him. That means even the difficult things, the hard things, and the things that you won't speak about. God didn't cause it, but he can redeem it if you'll stay with him through it. And as we pray this morning, I don't know what area you need help with. You may have just stopped walking. You need to pick yourself up and keep going. You may have stopped rejoicing in God. You can't remember what it's like to spend time in prayer. And maybe you've thrown yourself into sin like the old man in Daytona, hoping to escape your heartache. But God's hands are stretched wide to receive you. Questions and doubts and all. If you'll come to him with it and not run from him and use it as a shield. Even if you can't speak and you're silenced, God stands ready to receive you if you'll bring your doubt to him this Christmas season. His gifts to you surpass understanding. And one day the answer to your prayers will bless your family, your community, and potentially even your world if you'll stick with him. Your joy can be others' joy if you'll remain with God. In a moment we're going to pray. But before we do, I'd like, I'd like us to pray first, and then we have an announcement for you guys before you take off. So if you would, stand with me today. We're going to pray. Father, thank you. You said the things that are seen are temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal and preparing for us an eternal weight of glory 
beyond understanding. I pray that you would teach us how to bear up under the weight, God. I pray in adversity and suffering, you would teach us wisdom. In the same way you perfected your son through suffering, I pray that the people within the sound of my voice would be perfected in their suffering. That suffering would not delude their faith or disillusion them, but it would cause them to become more like the Christ that they follow. Father, I pray that you would redeem us and our situations because we run to you with our doubts, our delays, and our disappointments in faith, asking that you would journey with us through the valley of the shadow of death where we need not fear because you are with us. And we ask it in the name of Christ Jesus, your Son. Amen.